Welcome to Daily Kosa's The Brief, our weekly show about politics. Here, we'll discuss the issues that are driving the news as we fight for a more progressive America. I am Marcos Molitsis, the founder of Daily Kos and your co-host, along with senior political writer Carrie Eleveld. If you want to join the conversation, we record the podcast live on YouTube and Facebook every Tuesday at 1.30 Pacific, 4.30 Eastern. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. My name is Marcos Molitsis. I am here with Carrie Eleveld. Welcome to this week's edition of Daily Kos, The Brief, our weekly show about politics. Carrie, it feels like a Monday because we just had the holiday weekend and so I'm a little bit discombobulated, but I think I'm going to be okay. And uh, today, though, I'm excited, right? Because all over the weekend, like, Carrie and I had been, like, sending each other messages because Republicans are finally going at each other, right? Trump, finally, there's some line that was crossed over the last week or so, and he's being attacked by Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida. He's being attacked by Mitch McConnell, by the CEO of Gab which is one of the sort of these right-wing social media sites. Uh, Trump's been booed at a, twice over the last month, last couple of months. He's been booed twice. So things are finally fracturing, and it looks like Donald Trump's hold on the party is sort of splintering. And so you have this dynamic that's going, that's playing out on an election year. Like, you know, we thought maybe it could hold. It it's, doesn't look like it's holding. And this obviously has ramifications for 2022. We have the midterm elections coming up. This week's guest is actually going to be a great one to talk about this. It's Joe Trippi. He was Howard Dean's campaign manager back during that groundbreaking presidential campaign back in 2003-2004. He also was the top chief strategist for Doug Jones in Alabama when he won that shock or upset special election victory. So he's somebody who knows what's going on outside of the typical liberal sort of uh, bastions, right? The Bay Area and L.A. and New York and Chicago. Um, the serial pontificators like you and me. I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah we're in <laughs> our like liberal bubbles. <laughs> He's had to actually deal with people out in places like Alabama. So he it's inter- interesting because the historical um, storyline is that the president's party in his first midterm election, after first being elected, loses seats. And historically, the average has been about 30 to 35 seats that the, that the party in the White House loses in, unfortunately, it's just his right now, his first term. And so historically, you look at that, you look at Joe Biden's approval ratings, which are high 30s, low 40s, not looking so, you know, so particularly hot right now. You think, okay, yeah, this is going to play out like a typical historical year. It's going to be a rough year for the Democrats. But we've been talking about factors that may actually play against that. Just because it's always happened in the past doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to happen again. And Joe Trippi has a has a great podcast at Trippi Show. You can catch it in all the places you can, you know, you listen to your podcasts. A couple of weeks ago, or no, it was his last episode where he was talking about reasons that Democrats have for being optimistic. So he's not being doom and gloom. And a lot of the stuff he talks about is stuff that, Carrie, you and I have talked about before. So it's not, I mean, if you listen to this podcast, it's not particularly groundbreaking information, but it's nice confirmation bias, isn't it, Carrie? Right, right. And we were like, hey, he's saying a lot of things that we've said. Let's have him on. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Random sample of one. We both love what he said. Here he is. (laughs) 
So yeah, it could be a little bit confirmation bias, but he's not wrong and we're not wrong. And we're not saying that, yeah, for sure, we're going to win 2022's elections this November. Things are tough. Historically, they're tough, but they're not hopeless. And I think that's the message that is is critical. We, we shouldn't be surrendering because history says in 2000, what was it, 2002 midterm election, George Bush's first midterm election, he actually gained seats in the House and Senate. 9-11 shook up that historical precedent. And now we have our version of 9-11. It's killed a lot more people. It's had a much deeper impact in our party, uh, in, our, in our country, in the world. And that is COVID, the pandemic. You have a, a historically strong man, a historically typical strong man running the Republican Party. Usually when you lose an election, you kind of get like shoot aside. Like, okay, you're a loser. You lost us. And Donald Trump, by all by all measures was a huge loser, right? He won. Yes, he won his first year, lost a popular vote, but he, okay, he won because of our stupid broken democracy, but he also cost Democrats, uh, you know, I mean, he cost Republicans over a dozen governorships, lost control of the house, lost control of the Senate, lost control of the Senate in Georgia by losing two races in Georgia in a special election. So, if you sort of look at the and he, broad, he was integral to those losses too. He was oh. like he truly helped with those losses. Right. Anyway, just you know, it's not just like incidental that it happened while he was you know still president. I mean, he he really helped. So if Thank you're you. being objective and thinking like, okay, let's see what this guy's record was with the party, and it's like, oh yeah, he cost us everything. You would kind of push him aside, but for whatever reason, the Republican Party decided to continue their allegiance to to Trump. And that makes 2022. And I'm sure Joe Trippi is going to have a similar argument to this. We'll have him on in a little bit that it's no longer just a referendum on Joe Biden, because if it was just a referendum on Joe Biden, I'd be really worried about November. But now Trump is sort of big footing his way in and it's going to become 2020 redux, the sequel, but in the midterm election. And that creates enough uncertainty that I think gives us an opening for, for optimism. So, Carrie, you, I mean, you, were, you just wrote a piece of, of, of <laughs> Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump starting to go at each other. They're not using each other's names. They're still being a little coy about it, right? But we, all, we know what they're doing, right? What do you think is right, driving right. that? Yeah, well, I mean, so first of all, I just want to just a programming note for people. There's construction going on outside my apartment. So if, you know, if I'm muting here and there, you hear a little jackhammer in the background. That's just a little mood music for us here, hammering away at the politics. Uh, but anyway, I'll try to keep it to a minimum. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we we do have what I think is going to come to fisticuffs very soon between Ron DeSantis and, and Donald Trump. I mean, Donald Trump kind of, you know, he, he's been booed twice for talking about vaccines and encouraging people to get the vaccine at, you know, last year at a, a rally in Alabama and this year and last year again, just in December when he was on uh, the Bill O'Reilly show. He he talked about getting his booster and he got booed both times. And, you know, I think it's a little bit of a hit. Um, for him to to see that he you know that people aren't lockstep. I mean, he, you know, his base at this point has firmly planted their flag in the anti-vax you know corner of you're either with us or you're against us, and it's clear that Donald Trump's latest 
message trying to talk about, you know, oh, you know, I'm boosted, I'm vaxxed, but, you know, of course it's your decision. That's not good enough. That's not good enough for his base. And he got, you know, he got hit twice on that. And then he watched Ron DeSantis sort of, you know, tiptoe around the question when he was asked recently, last week he was asked about if he'd been boosted. And Ron DeSantis is just like, oh, you know, I, I got the normal shot or whatever, and then sort of like moved on from the discussion without ha- getting nailed down on whether or not he was actually boosted. Um, and he pivoted to some sort of anti-vaccine, anti-mitigation effort message, you know. So um, so the, Donald Trump took a shot at him and said, hey, you know, I, he, he went on um, One America News and said, well, I, I watched some of these politicians, you know, not, you know, not answer this stuff straight out. And I just think they're gutless. Um, and he didn't say DeSantis's name, but it was a clear shot at DeSantis. And I'm sure he expected or I think he expected for DeSantis to stand down. And instead, DeSantis was asked on a you know subsequent podcast um, if there was any bad blood between him and Trump and, you know, what what was going on with that. And DeSantis said, oh, no, he played that down. But then, like, in a, in one of the next several questions, DeSantis managed to say, oh, yeah, one of my biggest political regrets um, as governor was not coming out firmer against national lockdowns, you know, early, early in the pandemic, which he didn't he didn't cite Trump for, but it was clearly under Trump's White House that the national lockdowns happened, right? And he kind of, DeSantis kind of said, oh, you know, Dr. Fauci was giving, uh, you know, the top public health advisor at the time to, to Trump was giving bad advice to the White House and whatever. But, you know, it was it was a shot back. It was kind of like, oh, you know, if, if you think me not saying that I've gotten a booster is gutless, let me tell you what's really gutless, shutting down the entire you know, nation in terms of, you know, in the face of a pandemic. So we're getting that. And then, of course, Trump, I mean, Trump just manages to do stuff. And he's now his his latest paranoid delusion was that the whole interview with DeSantis was a setup by Josh Holmes, Mm -hmm. who is the podcaster and um, and a former McConnell aide. And so it was a setup by Mitch McConnell to like, get DeSantis to go after Trump and whatever. I mean, it is just, but, but the point is, right. And I think that you, um, I think that, you know, just not to carry this on too long, but I do think this is important. You shared with me recently um, this uh, message from the CEO of gab.com who, where he was saying, and I don't know where this and gab is a, it's a right wing clone of Twitter. Right. It's a right wing social media platform that Trump will Trump's media platform, if it ever launches, will compete directly with for users. Right. And they seem to have made the calculation that Trump isn't going to go with their platform. He's also not going to go with other right wing platforms. He's decided to do his own. And so they're going to try to claw away his people so that they don't leave once his platform launches. And that the CEO said, and I don't even know the CEO's name, but in that message said, Hey, uh, you know, we're, we're going to stick with this being a freedom of speech platform. You can say whatever you want. We're not pro vaccines. We're, you know, anti-vaccine and Trump can be pro vaccine if he wants. I mean, I'm kind of like, you know, this is, this is not exactly what he said, but I'm paraphrasing a little bit here. It was basically saying, it was basically saying Trump's not your guy anymore, but we're here for you. 
was fascinating, fascinating that this right wing division. So, you know, here you have this DeSantis and Trump going at each other. I think you have Trump really on shaky ground with his base on where he is, what he's trying to do with his, you know, his part in the vaccine rollout, et cetera. Um, And then you have Mitch McConnell, who really, you know, his his entire firepower comes down to and has always come down to his donor base and how much money and resources he can put towards people. But he has no value whatsoever and no sway whatsoever with the GOP base. He's at like 23 percent right now in civics in terms of the GOP base approvals of him. Twenty three percent. I mean, that is like unbelievable. It offends me that they don't appreciate his evil genius. (laughs) Well, I'm sure he is offended by that, but he's (laughs) never tried to woo them. He's never, never tried. And just for comparison's sakes, Trump, Trump right now, which is a little low, actually, is at 85% with that base, right? So McConnell has no sway there, and his sway of fundraising has been diminished by the grassroots army that has, you know, of small dollar donors who have gone for Trump, right? So, so, you know, Senate Republicans are eyeing their best chance in a while of potentially taking back the Senate, you know, this year in a, in a, environment that should favor them. And they've got a they've got a real problem. Trump is picking their candidates. I'm sure Joe Trippi is going to get in. Yeah, this, but, let, let's, let's 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 save that for in. Joe. Actually, let's, he's here. So let's just bring, yeah, him, let's in. bring let's, him in. All right. So our guest today is Joe Trippi. You may remember him from Howard Dean's campaign. Also, more recently, he led Doug Jones to that upset victory in Alabama. And that special election gave us a bonus Senate seat. Critically important. Two years. It's Alabama, though. Yeah. And so and now Joe has a great podcast. I, I, I incredibly urge you all to check it out wherever you get your podcast. It's called That Trippy Show. And it's Joe basically sharing his decades of, of incredible political experience and analyzing current events through that lens. It's actually really, really insightful. And that's why we actually have him on, because he had a great show this last week talking about Democrats uh, chances in 2022. So first of all, Joe, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Really appreciate it. Hey, Marcos and Carrie, it's great to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. So Joe, I'm, I'm just actually, Carrie, do you want to pick up the thread you were doing or do we just want to talk broadly about why Joe thinks Democrats will, will, th- might, not will, I, might I think, outperform yeah. his history? I think talk broadly. Let's, let's let him lay out because I've listened to both his podcast where he did that and the follow-up podcast and I thought it was great. So let's, just let him go for it with his reasons uh, that, you know, are sort of against conventional wisdom that, that Democrats have a decent shot this year. I think it's pretty clear to me that when you look at redistricting, for example, uh, we started the year and I was one of them. I looked at it and said uh, and, and, and watched what a lot of the folks who actually, you know, look at that data and look at how the districts are going to come out and look at the census data. And everybody thought that the Republicans were going to have a just in redrawing the line, start out 10 seats up from where they're at now. Just be, I mean, forget about the election. That's just going to be safe, 10 safe Republican seats added. That's that didn't happen. Democrats are doing much better in redistricting than people thought. It now actually looks like there'll be four districts, uh, additional districts that Biden won in 2020. That, not, that was yeah, and that's before New York and before the Ohio Supreme Court right. just said that Ohio has to redraw their 
Exactly. Gerrymandered. So it might even be better than that. Yeah, exactly, Marcos. That's what I'm saying. So one, the one thing, it's not going to be Republicans up and it, it could be uh, not even a wash, but Democrats up for six seats and when, when it all or even maybe a couple seats, even more than that. So one, that's a big sea change difference in, in what we're looking at. The second thing is, look, midterms are, are turnout elections. You know, fewer people come out and in 2020, millions more voted for Democrats. And so we we know the names of those people. We know who those people are. So grassroots effort to actually get them out, I think, uh, it, it also, there's more of us to get out. So that's another uh, thing that I think is going to matter. Uh, and that's a, uh, quite that's a, a more than that's a more than seven million uh, right. differential there, more than seven million voter differential. So a- absolutely. But even but even in districts where where we did, uh, you know, did turn out a, a, a fewer P, uh, Democrats than Republicans. I think, again, we know who they are, and I think we're going to be better organized to get the, our folks out. And I think, which gets to the third reason. Uh, the third thing is, look, they're going to do, they're, they're nominating lunatics. You look at Herschel Walker in, 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 in Georgia. Warnock, I, I think, has a much better chance uh, than, than, than he would have had they not had, had Trump not you know put his finger on the scale there uh, or his thumb on the scale whatever the, the hand thing uh, but anyway he did it. Uh, uh, it, it and I think um, you're seeing this all over the place uh, in different races around the country where they I think are going to have a similar problem they had in 2010 when the Tea Party uh, had control and nominated a bunch of crazy Tea Partiers who. Who lost seat after Senate seat after Senate seat? They should have had the majority, taken the majority, uh, but instead they nominated the in witch the, in, in Delaware. The Senate. Yeah, in the, in the Senate. House, they won. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying I think this is happening writ large, though, yeah. not just in the Senate this time, but in House seats around the country. They they are the the Trumpier. They're all fighting to become the you know the Trump wannabe and moving farther and farther to the extreme. So they're going to have a bunch of lunatic candidates out there saying incredibly crazy things that are going to reflect on the rest of the party. Remember, they had to run away from from things that uh, uh, you know that, that their uh, Tea Party candidates were saying. I think that same thing is going to happen. And also within that same third thing are the the inner party fighting that's going on that you just talked about, you, you know, where where the the the, the Trump candidate or, or the candidates fighting it out, there's going to be a McConnell candidate in some of these races uh, and the same thing in the House. I mean, some some sort of uh, a, a candidate that that is not acceptable to the Trumpies and they're going to fight it out in primaries and going to have they're going to have people staying up. You know, my candidate didn't win. I don't want a Trumpy or my candidate didn't win. I can't believe, uh, you know, somebody who a rhino is the nominee. So you're going to have these rhino. Um, that, that's Republican name and name only. It's sort of a derogatory term for somebody who isn't as I don't, I don't even think Trump is Trump enough anymore. I think Trump, this is by true. having gotten a jab, is now a rhino to some that, of these people. That's 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 my point. So there's going to be a I think they're going to have primaries in which swaths of their party are are not enthused and upset and i think look we're talking about the margins here we're talking three or four points in some of these districts so that's the three number four 
you look around and even where we're having um, fights in the Democratic primaries, the, the candidate, the caliber of the candidates that are running is just so amazing, I think. Um, uh, even in, in Pennsylvania, you know, Connor Lamb and Fetterman, you know, I mean, in the, in the race that's going on there, uh, I think any one of them uh, would be a strong, credible candidate uh, against uh, Dr. Oz, for example. Uh, and I, again, I take this, I'm talking about Senate races as we're talking through this, because I think most people know some of these these names, but um, but it's happening at the House level, too. So yeah, I think- and, and Joe, just quickly, they're not ideological primaries either. Right. right? That, I mean, there's nothing, okay, somebody may say Connor Lamb's yeah. a blue dog, or, but the, the primary is not playing out as a battle between the wings of the party in the right. way that we're seeing on the right. It's personalities. Exactly. Multiple and I people think- want the same job and they're going to fight over it. And it's not, it's not, cataclysmic like one wing versus the right other. and I, and i think and i think part of that also is because there's a unifying factor in the party right now uh to to come together behind behind the nominee in pennsylvania or wherever in this or in that district and rally um uh in, in unified support which is going to be the opposite of what happens with the republican party i think um oh yeah so- i i just imagine that there's going to be blood in the streets during those uh you know, those very high pitched um, primaries on the GOP side. I mean, it is, you know, because it's they're 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 that that whole the base is running the show in so many cases and the base and everybody's just trying to say what they think the base, the bigger part of the base wants to hear. And it's just going to be I I think it's going to be, you know, take no prisoners disaster for the Republicans. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. And, and then and that leads to you look, there are factors that are not predictable. Um, they, they things change during this year. They're going to. I, I think that the majority of things that are likely to happen are going to end up being, you know, as COVID dissipates, as people understand what's really happening with the economy in terms of pay and other things that are, are going on. And I think inflation, I do believe inflation is transitory. We'll see. Uh, I could be wrong about that. But I just think that there are a number of things that are that are that this is sort of like the bottom of Biden's of Biden's approval rating. I think that it's going it's up from here and any improvement is going to is going to help. But I think overall, the other thing I think is you get a start to get a sense that a, a true pro-democracy coalition from the ground up is starting to come together out there. I mean, the people are starting to understand this is an authoritarian party versus democracy and that that's reaching, I think, independents, former Republicans, some moderates within the Republican Party and Democrats. I think that coalition is going to grow. I think it's going to start even if if we, um, you know, that's how we may have to overcome what they're doing with voting rights and, and voter suppression, it's all of us. And I think in that sense, you know, what I, th- what I want to help build is the kind of movement that we had, you know, Marco said you were so important in building when we started to get the internet going, but to use those tools to pull that coalition together, uh, uh, regardless of ideology, regardless of party, this isn't Republicans versus Democrats. It's not right versus left. This is, pro-democracy Americans 
coming together, using the technology that we have out there to bring people together, to give them the tools they need to make a difference, to get the vote out. Uh, and again, we know who our people are. And I, I really do think that you're going to see that that pro-democracy, the energy behind that rise and grow every day from now till November 2022. And I, th I, I really believe that Democrats will hold the House, gain some seats in the Senate because of how important what's really on the ballot, democracy is on the ballot in November 2022. And I think people are starting to get that. Let me just ask a quick follow up to that, um, because you've you've made a career out of seeing things that other people haven't seen. Um, what are you seeing in terms of the pro-democracy coalition that you're talking about that I feel like a lot of voters really aren't aware yet of the you know of the danger how dangerous the Republican Party is um, the fact that they're they're trying to bury January six and won't talk about it the fact that they you know won't say anything negative about Trump that they you know they're still kowtowing to him and whatever um, maybe you're seeing it are you seeing it on a grassroots level are you seeing it on an organizer level um, you know or or where are you seeing this energy starting to come from. I think it, it, you're starting to, I think, first of all, January 6th, more and more facts are coming out every day and are going to continue to come. That's one of the other factors that no one's calculate. You know, you look at where approval ratings are today and where the vote is today. And you still have a lot of them. As you said, Carrie, you're right. A lot of Americans don't really understand the danger and the threat. I think that danger and threat's becoming more clear every day as more facts come out. And that's going only going to increase and I think go higher and higher up to folks that, uh, and facts and, you know, emails, tape conversations, whatever, but that stuff is going to come out. And that's going to, I, again, I think every day more Americans are awakening to the threat. I agree with you that, well, first of all, a lot of this is normalcy bias. We all, we all want, uh, you know, Joe Biden's been elected president. Okay, whew, sigh of relief, we can go back to normal. You, you know, uh, and and I, by the way, I think there's a bunch of people in the Democratic Party in Washington, D.C. who still want to believe that you can reach across party lines and and find some votes. I think every day, uh, every when we have the vote on voting rights, and everything else, it's going to become clear and clear that that's just not the case and what the threat really is. And and so, yeah, I think that's part of the first thing of building the pro-democracy coalition is for each of us. So, you know, again, this goes back to Dean days, but find one more friend, one more coworker, one more neighbor to to explain what the threat is and it get them to join the pro-democracy coalition that we're all building out there. And you don't have to you know, I, I'm with I joined the Lincoln Project because I thought it was real important to demonstrate that, that like me and Stuart Stevens, we fought each other. To, I mean, to the death in Senate races and governor's races, I hated uh, uh, I mean, they, they were just ugly, negative, you, you know, knockout, drag out races. I, I won one time, you know, one time I particularly remember winning a Senate seat uh, where he was on the other side. And I said to myself, please, God, don't let me ever have to get in another fight with this guy because he's so tenacious and just bare bone, you know, bare knuckle fighter. Why would I join with him now? Well, I'll tell you right now, because that's not what any of this is about. It's not about past, you know, history uh, with with any of us. It's about all of us putting our differences aside, 
ideological or otherwise. And as Marco said, you're starting to see this in these in these primary fights that we're seeing. We're not fighting ideological fights in our primaries. We're 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 having debate about policy and and the way forward. But I think that's what we all have to do as a country right now is, and so I joined them because I thought, look, there's a bunch of former Republicans who I did battle with, but we all got to come together and put democracy front and center. And I think that's what we need to do with our friends. Or I mean, I know you guys do this every day, but I think that's that's the first step. And I think every day we are, you know, uh, in the you know using the Dean campaign again. Uh, you know, Marcos watched that. I mean, was there? You know, it was just incredible back then. The energy in terms of of pulling people together. But we started out with 481 folks and grew that thing. And I think we start off with, when you talk about a pro-democracy coalition today, we're not starting with 400. There are millions of Americans who, are, who do understand the threat, who do want to make it front and center and make that fight. And we can recruit a hell of a lot more other Americans to join that fight. Because I think if this country understands that it's an authoritarian movement versus a pro-democracy coalition, I think there will be a lot of people who will be who, that's what the battleground is in 2022. I have a faith in the American people that they'll that, that a majority, a vast majority of them will sign up with the pro-democracy side. That's the fight we need to have because that's what is at stake right now. So you, you gave us five reasons that and I still want to dig into some of those, but sure. I just want to quickly add a couple more. Uh, I think Donald Trump making it a referendum on yeah. Trump versus Biden again sort of rallies our base in a way that wouldn't be happening if it was just Joe Biden, a referendum on Joe Biden. So he's actually doing us a favor by stepping up. And I think and I do want to talk a little bit about last year's elections because we didn't do so well. But we, I also I'll just pre-acknowledge that Donald Trump was explicitly uh, pushed out of both New Jersey and Virginia and right. it kept at arm's length. It was a con. I mean, we're seeing that in Virginia yeah. now, right? It was a con, but Donald Trump was kept away. He's not, be, he's not staying away this year. Right? He's well, going to be right in the middle. <laughs> it's, it's easy to have, to give him 48 other places he can go to. Yeah. Right? yeah. You know, or, you know, uh, you can, you can, you know, you can keep them out of two places and say, Hey, if you want to do something down in Georgia, go ahead. You want to go to Arizona a couple times. Fine. Um, that just, just, there's no way you're Marcos. You're absolutely right. There is absolutely no way on this planet. They're going to be able to do that first. I mean, he, he's, he's already, he's already injecting himself in Georgia. He's already in, getting into fights with DeSantis and, you know, all, 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 and, and it's, it's so easy, by the way, one of the things about working with the Lincoln project is it's so easy to goad him into a fight like that. I mean, it, you, you know, because you can appeal to the audience of one say, Hey, DeSantis wants your job. <laughs> and, and damn it, if he won't, you know, if he won't leap to the, to the bait. So I just think that it's it's a much different. This is so much different than than the uh, than the last than the off year elections in in Virginia and New, New Jersey. There's just he is going to be not, but not just him though. That's what I'm saying. I mean, Herschel Walker is going to say yeah. something. He is, you know, they're all they're, they have the, that same problem that they had in two, 2010, except I think it's. It, this is writ large. You had 139 of these 
members vote to not certify the election. We all know Jim Jordan's out of his mind, right? So, I mean, all these guys are going to be out there. uh, And I think uh, that's going to be the point for the American people to decide is this, you know, is do you really want to put these people in charge or and and risk your democracy, which it's more than a risk. It's it's just guaranteed that if they take the House in 20, if you 139 of them voted not to certify, if Jim Jordan is Speaker of the House because they take it in 2022, even if they got to the majority by electing 10 moderate Republicans, let's just fantasize about that. Do we really think that that caucus would sort of, they're going to certify the loser. That's what they're going to certify. So, you know, so I I just think that's what's at stake here. And I think we've got to make it clear that that's what's at stake here. Can I make one point real quick about the candidates, which is, you know, you keep talking about 2010, uh, 2012, you know, the, I am not a witch ad is coming. And the difference is this time, I don't know if the Republicans are going to reject it and run away from it. I that's, mean, seriously. No, that's, that's my, yeah, you're like, right, Perry. Yeah, that's a well, You're right. That, I don't think anybody is, is, is got that in there. As they're starting, as all these pundits are projecting the, the demise in 2022, the Democrats in trouble, I don't think they're like, are you, they've been, it's like the, the Republicans are somehow innocent bystanders through all this. Right. And, and, but, they're, they can't stop themselves. I mean, they're going to do this and they're going to say things out loud, a lot of them. Um, and I think you're right. The, 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 a large swath of the party won't, won't push those people out. They'll embrace them, which I think is going to scare the hell out of a lot of Americans who, who, yeah, we're sort of, like I said, like Marco said, Trump wasn't out there so, so big in, in the Virginia, New Hampshire, not, New Jersey races, not at all. Uh, and so you could, you know, Yunkin could 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 uh, put on the fleece sweater jacket and 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 uh, fool people. It's now becoming clear who he really is. A lot of us told people that's who he really really was, but uh, and got hammered for doing it. Um, uh, but it's you know it's I think it's going to be a lot harder to hide that, not just Trump, but hide what the Republican Party has truly become. So my 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 plea to you is to go to the Lincoln Project crew and convince them to come up with a plan to convince Trump that the best way to knock out Ron DeSantis is for DeSantis to lose his governor's race this year. That would clear the field for him for 2024. So he's got he's got to. I love that idea. I I will. I will. I'll talk. <laughs> I, I will bring that idea um, for sure. <laughs> there, there's other factor: um, the Supreme Court and, and Roe v. Oh, Wade. Yeah, that's that's going to be explosive, and it's going to happen for sure in the summer at, at yeah. some point. Um, I agree. I mean that that's what I'm saying. There's all these things. I think when I said there there are events that we can't foresee, I think there are events we can foresee. That's one of them for sure. That's going to, I think, change again the 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 way people are thinking about the November 2022 races. So um, I I feel I really I started out at the beginning of last year um, in that same mindset of oh woe is us we're redistricting we you know we didn't pick up any state legislatures I mean something that like look the Democratic Party. It was has been asleep at the switch for decades. 
yeah. on local legislative, local and legislative races. Uh, Republicans have been doing that for and focused on it for decades, and it 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 paid off, you know, in terms of not being able to, you know, sort of cutting um, Democrats' ability to impact a lot of uh, redistricting. I thought for sure they'd be eight, 10 seats up uh, just on drawing the lines. And I was pretty pessimistic, but it's just not happening. That part of one of the reasons is they were so good at redrawing lines last time that they can't, there's, there's no way to create more Republican districts. You, you know, uh, they've controlled it for so long that uh, they 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 can draw all they want, but they can't really can't be as 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 um, as far reaching as I thought they could. As and Dave Wasserman and other others thought that, but uh, I really think that that was the first thing that I started to see, and then I then I started to put together. Some of the, you know, just look at who they're nominating, you know, Herschel Walker, again, being if he gets nomination, being a great example of how they're they're doing a lot of the work for us. But we have a lot of work to do. And and we've got the tools um, and the ability to get those people out to know where we have to target our volunteers and resources and time. Um, And and I don't think this is something that. We can count on the committees in Washington to take care of. I mean, that's how we got where we're at. We've got to do it. it it's literally what what you've been building, uh, and that so many people uh, uh, who who weren't dependent on on um, party committees back. Uh, you know, the Dean campaign. Obviously, I mean, come on, forget it. They were never going to pay any attention to us. But there are a lot of good hardworking activists out there who I think now understand that it's our time again. We are the ones that are going to have to to save democracy. And um, we can't wait uh, for Garland. We can't wait for the Southern District of New York. Uh, we can't wait for them to, to end the, to, to reform the filibuster. I hope some of that stuff all happens, but we cannot wait for it. We've got to start growing the pro-democracy coalition from the bottom up, citizen to citizen, forget we pick about- up two seats, then, then, yeah. then yeah. we can look at the party and say, now yeah. you can't blame it on Manchin and Cinema anymore. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. That's so what we That's have our to job. Do. Yeah, so, it's us. So let me, just, let me just jump in here because this is over the weekend. And then I listened to one of your follow-up podcasts and I was like, exactly. Um, but over the weekend, the long weekend, there were several- Doomsday. I mean, there's just been a stream of Biden's doomsday articles, right? It's all over. Biden's not going to get his legacy legislation. You know, Democrats are doomed. And frankly, Democrats were congressional Democrats, right? I like what you say. Like, you know, it's not going to be down. We can't wait for anybody. It's got to be us. We got to do it. You know, the organizers on the ground have to do it. It's got to be a grassroots uprising pro-democracy movement, right? But congressional Democrats could do themselves a favor by getting out of their own way. I mean, you know, you have like people, you know, moderates like Sherry Bustos of Illinois and Stephanie Murphy of Florida and whatever. And they're both retiring, saying, oh, you know, the Democratic leadership went the wrong route and tried to get too progressive with the legislation and blah, blah, blah. And we need a reset. And, you know, there's a whole bunch of like negative and how are we going to salvage Biden's agenda? And I'm convinced that this is 
isn't going to be about how much Democrats got done. And if Democrats don't stop talking about each other, they're just going to step on themselves. I mean, their only message should be something like we have 50 Democratic senators who support voting rights. Uh, We have 50 Republican senators who don't. Those 50 Republican senators are using a Senate rule that the segregationists used back in the 60s. And the only difference is now there's a lot more segregationists now in the Republican Party than there were then. You know what I mean? Like, like it's got to be. I it's got to be you. about democracy. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, Carrie, I agree with you. I don't hold, hold a lot of hope um, for them to not to stop doing the circular firing squad. I mean, part of this gets to, again, what I was talking about where, and I think Biden probably suffered from this, uh, the, this normalcy bias that, you know, a creature of the Senate, I, we, I can get those votes over there. Um, uh, and if you yeah. think that, he said that in multiple debates. Yes, and so if you if you believe that if you can't if you cannot this is the thing that blows my mind, right? They said these same group of thinking said, you know, well, Trump could never get elected in the United States. That'll never happen in America. Guess what it did? January sixth, that could never happen in America. Guess what it it did? When you say, look, there's an authoritarian movement. And it's going to try to, to take power by any means. Um, and it, it, and it, it already did an attempted, failed attempted coup. Um, no, that's, that's, that can't happen here. That's not going to happen. Trippy, you guys are all alarmists. It's not, that's not real. Um, so if you're one of those folks, then um, an ideological fight over how big, Build Back Better should be or, 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 or what should be in the package, well, that's normal. I mean, that's how y- y- you would normally do something. Uh, trying to tell them, no, this is not the time. <laughs> you know, what we have to do is, is find out, find, you know, agree within the, par- the caucus what we can get passed and pass it and get, you know, and what, what we can do for voting rights, get it done and move. Um, is not there. There are people who still in office who still do not get the threat. Um, I think as as they experience more and more uh, intransigence. I mean, just sort of like that. This this isn't working. Some of them, yeah. Some of them are quitting, moving on. Uh, you know, God, and I, or even God. I don't want to be a member of the minority. And we're going to be the minority, so I'm leaving now. I mean, that's that, what I'm trying to say is that's how you think if you actually don't think democracy is at stake, right? That, that, that makes sense. If, if you think democracy is at stake, you don't sit there and go, oh, I'm going to be in the minority. You guys, we got to fight to save the democracy, and I'm going to do everything I can to do it. I still think, and, and I think we've, as you pointed out, Carrie, you know, when we started talking about this, that how, how many Americans really see that threat? That's this is how democracy dies, right? It, 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 by the time everybody wakes up, it's too late. Um, that's why I think um, uh, it, it, it is from the bottom up. It is at the grassroots level. It is building a pro-democracy coalition. It is saying we don't care if you used to be a Republican or you're still a Republican, but if you're gonna, if you're willing to fight with us and join with us, um, independents, Republicans, Democrats alike, from the bottom up. 
organizing to save our democracy and, and to support pro-democracy candidates. And right now there are, there's only one place those candidates exist. Unfortunately, I would love, you know, I, I, I think we should have two there's one, there's one in, parties, but we only have one. It's the democratic party right now. There, there's, there's a uh, Liz Cheney in Wyoming. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, <laughs> but that's the whole point. You have 139 of them. <laughs> Only 139 of the caucus voted to not certify, but today you could only count on maybe two. Liz? How many will say that Joe Biden yeah. won the election, right? Yeah, that, exactly. It's down Five to two, them? really. Yeah. Two, maybe yeah. nine, but it's like ridiculous. And, but, and of the nine, they're doing the same thing. Most of them have, are yeah. retiring or been forced out. Uh, you know, Liz Cheney's the only one I know that I think you know is standing you know, uh, uh, for re-election, everybody else has either quit or been forced out. I know we already talked a little bit about 2019, uh, sorry, 19, 2021. <laughs> so, um, but I, I really want to talk a little bit about that. We have talked a little bit about because 2019 for, for years now. <laughs> Anyways, I, can talk, I can talk about 1979 <laughs> if you want. That's how, that's how, so that's how outdated I am. So. We, 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 had, we had all the names of people that voted in, in 2020, yet in Virginia, which wasn't particularly close in 2020, we ended up losing by, by three points, I think, was the final tally. It wasn't, yeah. wasn't that particularly close. So just having the names doesn't get people out. So what's the difference between 19? Is it just a question of, of the stakes well, I mean, two things. One, as you pointed out, Trump wasn't running around Virginia campaigning for Yunkin, and Yunkin yeah. didn't got away with not having to to kowtow to Trump because you know he he was going to lose the nomination. Remember, Yunkin that thing was a a, a convention nomination. Uh, they didn't have a, a primary. They did it, in, you know, basically behind closed doors. I mean, in you know, in the old convention sense of it, uh, and so he. He didn't he he never had to. I don't think anybody in Virginia truly understood the stakes. Right. I mean, and at the same time, there had been such success over the years in Virginia for Democrats. So I was like, they don't need me today. They're going to win anyway. That kind of thing. It's Terry McAuliffe. Uh, look, we can all get into what went wrong or right in the, in the campaign. But I think fundamentally, it's not going to be the same terrain that they face in 2022. They're they are not nominating even the phony Yunkins out there are not going to get most of the, I mean, maybe JD Vance can pull that off in Ohio. I hope not. I mean, but it'd be the same, the same trick, right. You know, yeah. the same be Trumpy now and then, and then put the, 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 the fleece sweater jacket on. But that, I mean, and that may happen in a couple places uh, and be a problem for us. I'm not, you know, but, but I think the, the, the reality is Trump is going to be out there they're going to have a bunch of candidates who are saying things and doing things that are, uh, I think, that will appall uh, uh, yeah. a lot of people. And I don't think you're going to have that um, that sort of. And also, I think we were still in the, oh, Biden's won. We can all go. We can all rest now. Uh, I mean, there's all that decompression. I don't think that's there now. I don't. I really don't. I think that that's what I mean about the energy that's growing. I mean, the 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 the, the real. I think every day more and more Americans are waking up to what the real threat is. We still got a, a lot of work to do to make sure 
that in 2022, they do all understand what the real threat is. If we're successful in that, we win. I really believe that. So a little just fun fact is that traffic in, at Daily Coast was down in 2021 after the election year. It always happens, right? People are tired, sure. just like you said. They're exhausted. And you could see this across the entire media landscape, CNN, MS, everybody was down. Yeah. Even Fox News was down. Just in January alone, these first couple of weeks, we're up around 15 to 20% traffic, just like that. And it's not like the news has gotten juicier. No. Like, it's been pretty steady. I've been writing, no, I've actually, been writing the news some is- very good stuff. I've been writing some very, <laughs> very yeah. compelling pieces. So, but I think the new, the, but uh, as you point out, if anything, in the last few weeks, it's been more doom and gloom uh, than anything. You know, Biden's doomed presidency, all this stuff. So in other words, it's not because, you know, oh, there's been all this like, you know, Biden's surging in the polls. Yeah. And there's all this. No, this is, I think, again, people starting to realize one, realize what the stakes are. And two, like you said, there was like a little bit of let's take a rest. I think through 2021, I think people are getting ready for the battle. And I think those numbers are going to increase every month moving forward. I really do. And and that's where our opportunity to build the the pro-democracy coalition is. If all of us are talking about doing that, about building it, like I said, join, I don't, there's all kinds of, you don't have to, you can join the Lincoln Project, you can join Midas Touch, you can join you guys. I mean, there's all kinds of people out there and voices out there that we need to get pushing the pro-democracy coalition and get people to join with, you know, Fair Fight Georgia. I mean, there's all kinds of great uh, groups out there uh, that we can plug people into or help them get the tools to plug in and do what needs to be done to win uh, in November. And I think we will. And we and we've talked to a number. We've had a focus now for for several months on talking to grassroots groups in these key states that we're going to need to win that have you know big Senate races or gubernatorial races, et cetera. Um, so absolutely, give to those get grassroots groups. Um, you know, join the Trippy mm-hmm. Show, watch us. You know that type of thing. Uh, but is there a is there a is there a congressional member? any of them who you think kind of get who you've gotten a sense actually get what's happening here. And they sound like they get what's happening and they're, you know, they would be someone to potentially watch. Cause I think about people who have built movements, Bernie Sanders built a movement, sure. you know, um, Senator Warren to some extent built a movement. So, you know, is, is there anyone you're seeing who you really think is uh, getting this and would be someone to watch as we go forward? Uh, you know, I think there are, I put it this way, I think there are several of the people that are starting to get, well, it, you know, like Sawell, there's there's people who um, are out there talking. The, the question is, I think it's with the mainstream press, it's just incredibly hard for that person, you know, let's say pick one, pick somebody to to get the the attention of the mainstream, they're all in this doom Biden thing. Right. But, you know, like, you know, no, no one's. So, so I don't think it's not that they're not out there. It's that I think we have to build the platform that, that, that gets people wake people up and get, and gives them their voice, you know, on this show on, you know, mm-hmm. on the trippy show, I get sort of starts to lift some of these voices out there because I don't think um, cable's going to do it. I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, the, the real, the reality is um, that part of the, 
the coalition, I think, has to be a comms core uh, because, look, they, they Fox, OAN, uh, Newsmax, Breitbart, they, it's been built with billions of dollars in over 10, 20, 30, 40 years in some, some cases. It's an outrage machine. They just manufacture another outrage tomorrow to get all their people outrage, you know, out there uh, uh, creating the next thing that some Democrats going to step in and uh, or not have an answer to because be, like, like, you know, like uh, go back to 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 the birther thing. I mean, how many of us rolled our eyes and said, no one's going to believe that he wasn't that he is not in, wasn't born in America. We all rolled our eyes. Well, guess what? <laughs> you know, the outrage machine did its thing. And sooner or later, you got to show the birth certificate. So I think like when what we have to do is we're not going to, no one's going to put billions of dollars on the table to build the pro-democracy uh, machine, you know, message machine. It doesn't exist. Uh, and cable's always going to do uh, the, whatever, the Democrats and Republicans are fighting about today uh, the two sides and 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 again act like the Republicans are innocent bystanders in all of this. Um, uh, you know, build back better or whatever. You don't have a single vote, but we're all. It's all about uh, uh, Democrats are uh, arguing. I, I think you know one of the things I think we need to figure out how to do is create like a comms core where. When there's some big disinformation or some outrage um, machine generated, that it's not just retweeting this. Or it, it's like that we have a, a million people out there who immediately respond with the with with the pro democracy message that, that's been created, whether it's been created by Lincoln Project or somebody else to to fight that machine. Um, uh, I think it's really necessary to try to harness that and get people to join it. Uh, a, a comms core. I mean, it's like we're going to have to fight legal battles. We're going to have to fight communications battles and we're going to have to fight on the ground and, and organize and get people out and register. And then we're going to have to fight at the ballot box to make sure that it, to get injunctions or anything else that they're going to throw at us. Um, there, 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 but look, that, there, there are lots of attorneys who would sign up with Mark Elias or someone like that to be part of a, a legal team on election day across the, you know, in, in all these states, uh, plugging them into, into uh, races uh, that are going to need help that day. Um, and so I think that it's, it's a, it, it is a big undertaking, but I think they're using the attorneys as a good example. There are plenty of them. That's their skill. How do we channel that to the, to the right thing there, you know, how do we fight the disinformation machine, the outrage machine by creating a comms core that's act actively committed. You can commit to go work in your precinct too, but you're also actively committed to spreading the articles that you got, you know, again, we, where we sort of get more than just uh, one of our groups uh, pushing our own stuff out, but get everybody sort of plugged into here's the best thing that got written today, bam. And all of us get it out there to, to, that, that was against something that the outrage machine was, was, uh, was formatting. Well, let, let me just add, that sounds, I mean, I think that would be great. It also sounds defensive. I wonder if we can create something where 
what we're putting out is the worst thing a Republican said today. In other words, you right. know, instead of just responding to oh. them and trying to correct this disinformation, because God only knows, you know, it just keeps on coming. Yeah. But actually, like, be publicizing the crap that they're putting out there on a regular basis. Um, you know, I, I wonder if, if I mean, I, I like your idea quite a bit. I'd like to be playing some offense, too. No, no, I, I agree on the offense part. I was just sort of like, you know, sort of shorthanding. Right now, there's no, there is nobody defending the against the outrage machine. I mean, it's definitely not going to be anybody. I mean, they're good journalists that call stuff out, but I mean, it's that's here, there, and you know, but it's not coordinated. It's not, and there's no pro side. There is no pro democracy. Um, uh, uh, positive, you know, pushing proactively messaging to get people to engage. So I, I think there are a bunch of different things we can we we need to start to build. Uh, you know, and part of that was really cool in the in the Dean campaign was how many people in technology rose to the occasion and and came up with ideas about how to build those th- those things. And Marcos was one of them. There are plenty. I mean, it, those and, were the days. Yeah, well, and 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 then uh, and then Trump happened. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we are unbelievably out of time. This may be Carrie. This may be the fastest that hour has ever gone. <laughs> no, I know. I had, I had several more things that I wanted to touch on. I, you know, oh, I didn't a lot even of good stuff. So. I didn't even start to really dig into your your five options, and then suddenly it's like, well, no, I guess we're not going to because there was so much good <laughs> stuff that we talked about. Joe Trippy is the host of That Trippy Show. You can get that show anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, anything else you want to plug? Uh, just at, Tripp, at Joe Trippy on Twitter. Probably another good place to, to, yeah, to find absolutely. me. Yeah, absolutely. Joe, thank you so much for joining us. That was incredible. Really yeah. appreciate it. Thank you both for having me. Carrie, we have a, we have a minute. Do you have – you have... <laughs> it's actually – it's encouraging it is uh, encouraging. But no, what listen, really, yeah. now I was just going to say, there's anybody that says Democrats are going to lose because X, Y, Z, you just don't know. There is so much at play, much more than in a typical midterm. That's sort of my big takeaway. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think the point he made about the congressional Democrats who are retiring and those who are like grousing about whether or not build back better was too big or too ambitious, or maybe if, you know, Biden had sprinkled his magic fairy dust on <laughs> voting rights earlier or something, yeah. you know, cinema would have gotten a whiff of that and turned into an angel. I mean, you know, come on. Um, so like I, I, you, we can quibble over, you know, we can quibble over, whether or not there were missteps made. We are where we are. We now have, uh, what, 10 months? Is that right? I can't remember. Yeah, but yeah. Basically. So we got we to gotta deal with what we got. And Joe Biden gave probably the best speech I've ever heard him give, certainly of his presidency, um, but maybe ever, uh, about January 6th, right? And I was like, yeah. And then he gave the voting rights speech that so many people wanted to hear. And then, you know, people were like, it's too little, too late. And cinema stepped all over it before blah, 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 blah. And, you know, voting rights is going down in flames. Look, I want voting rights. Uh, I wanted Build Back Better too. I, I, there's a lot of things that I want, but we are where we are. And, you know, people have to find a way to get involved 
And, you know, I, I think the White House actually, um, you know, contrary to reports of, of Biden's, you know, the Biden administration's death, early death, right? Um, I think they actually started out with a strong messaging about what this midterm election should be about. And the congressional Democrats who are so um, sort of mired in um, normalcy, in what a normal you know, cycle would look like and whatever, we got to stop paying attention to them. And, you know, I mean, they, they're not they're not on board with these are a historical times. And I think that was a point that was very well made by Trippy, by Joe Trippy. And um, I appreciated it because I'm like, God, what what are the congressional Democrats doing? Um, you know, we, we got a yeah. we got an election it's, to win. It's definitely a theme we're going to be coming back to time and time again this year because things will happen. Like he said, we know a lot of factors that are already going to take in, that are already going to play a factor, factors that are going to play a factor, factors that are impact the race. There's so much we don't know. I mean, we don't even know what happens if Omicron crests and now we have herd immunity and things can get back to normal even sooner. I mean, who knows, right? There's so many, or maybe in six months, whatever immunity we got from Omicron will fade and we'll have a new wave in, in September, right? Like, right, but you, know, but you know what never changes? The Republican Party is an extremist party yeah. now. They're an extremist, pro-fascist, anti-democracy party. And that is not going to change regardless of what Omicron does. That's all the time we have today. Carrie, thank you so much for being such a wonderful host. Thanks to Joe Trippi for joining us today to have this conversation. Thanks to Walter Einenkel and Kara Salaya for producing and promoting the show and doing all the great things behind the scenes. And thank you, the viewer and the reader and the listener, for joining us. You are what's going to make us, uh, you are what's going to drive us to victory this November. And remember, we win in November. There's no more filibuster. That means Washington, D.C. becomes a state. We get two new senators. We get all sorts of goodies, voting rights, all. Ah, we need to win. <laughs> we need to win. And it really is going to be up to you to drive that revolution, to drive that effort. So thank you so much for joining us, for being part of that. And I look forward to being with you side by side in this battle this year. Thank you so much. See you next week. Thank you for listening. If you're enjoying the show, give us a rating wherever you get your podcast. You can always talk to us at dailycoast.com or on Twitter at Daily Coast. See you next week.